while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. And I'm Chris McCarthy. So um, we've had a really good show so far. And it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better because we have Stephanie Murray from The Block joining us. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really glad to be here. So Stephanie, um, our audience knows you as a political reporter originally. You covered uh, Massachusetts politics for Politico.com, but you've now moved to the high world of finance. Uh, you cover crypto, crypto exchanges, cryptocurrency. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about what you're covering these days and where you're working. Absolutely. So um, I cover the regulation of digital assets for the block.co. Um, and my big focuses are on kind of crypto legal issues. So all of those big crypto companies that you've seen in the news kind of going bankrupt over the last <laughs> year or so, uh, that's a big focus for me. Um, legal issues around crypto, what Congress is doing, you know, working on legislation to regulate this new industry um, and what regulators are doing, like the Securities and Exchange Commission um, on cryptocurrency, the Treasury Department, kind of anything government legal Plus crypto is, is what I'm focused on. So, Stephanie, you have uh, been covering one of the things that because of the, re the, the change in regulations that have been made over the last couple of years and the emergence of crypto, pitchmen are being used more and more by financial companies. People like Tom Brady, Taylor Swift, Shaquille O'Neal, Larry David. Um, talk a little bit about what's going on with those folks in relation to FTX, Sam Bankman-Free. The really crazy thing about this story is how fast crypto companies sort of seem to come out of nowhere into the mainstream. Uh, if you think about the Super Bowl last year, all of those big FTX and crypto commercials, all of the big, uh, you know, arenas and stadiums like in Miami where the Miami Heat play, uh, FTX, the major crypto exchange, you know, paid a, an enormous deal to put their logo up on that stadium. And then kind of just as fast as FTX, one of the big uh, crypto exchanges came onto the scene mainstream wise, uh, they kind of exploded just as quickly. And so FTX paid a lot of different celebrity endorsers like Tom Brady, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Steph Curry, the Miami Heat, uh, and tons of others to promote their products. Um, and they were, you know, appearing on TV and in social media. And then after FTX ended up filing for bankruptcy in November, uh, all of these celebrity promoters have been hit by a class action lawsuit that claims that, you know, they were promoting the sale of unregistered securities and promoting a scam. And so, you know, the people who filed the class action want them to, to pay up because the problem with FTX is that, when the company filed for bankruptcy protection, that meant that all the customers who used the exchange couldn't get their money out anymore. And there are about 9 million of them. Not all of them are in the United States, but, you know, a significant portion are. 
And so now not just, you know, the people running this crypto exchange, uh, some of them who have pleaded guilty to criminal charges in court, the former CEO has pleaded not guilty, his trials in October. Um, so now all of these celebrities who promoted the company are could be on the hook, depending on how this class action lawsuit shakes out. So uh, it, it was for a time, I think, fairly difficult to serve Shaq with his court papers. Can you talk a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit about that? You are absolutely right. And so Shaq was one of 16, uh, you know, celebrity promoters who was targeted in this class action lawsuit, uh, along with Tom Brady, Steph Curry, and they were all served. And serving is just when you get kind of the papers that give you official notice that you are being sued. And the lawyers just could not find Shaq. They were searching for him in uh, Atlanta, where he's on TNT for his NBA show. They were in Texas at his house there because that's where he's been spending time um, expanding his chicken franchise, uh, restaurant franchise. They were, you know, looking at his other homes. He has homes in California, Nevada, Florida, the Bahamas. Um, they could not track him down to give him official notice of this lawsuit. And if you can't give somebody notice of the lawsuit, uh, you can't really sue them. The judge can, you know, dismiss the case and you could file it again. Uh, or you can, you know, try to escalate it and, you know, get the court to agree with your proof that he's avoiding being served. So they were chasing Shaq for three months. And I think maybe the craziest piece of this story is that Shaq is actually a deputy, like an honorary sheriff's deputy. That's right. And the lawyer who uh, was trying to serve him uh, sent a $50 check to the sheriff's office where Shaq is, you know, involved asking them to serve him because that sheriff's office does serve people. They cashed the check, apparently, and then said that they couldn't find him. Uh, so Shaq was eventually served at his Atlanta home last weekend, um, and now the lawsuit can proceed. But really just an interesting story and kind of showing you the lengths that people will go to avoid these kind of lawsuits when there's a lot of money involved. This is a billion-dollar class action lawsuit. We're speaking with Stephanie Murray from theblock.co about crypto exchanges, FTX in particular. Um, Stephanie, one of the celebrity endorsers who you, you've written about the distinction between her particular case and everybody else, including Tom Brady, is Taylor Swift. Explain how she kind of avoided all of this. So I've been talking to the class action lawyer who filed this lawsuit, and he said that when they were doing their due diligence process of kind of looking through the documents, figuring out what was going on and kind of getting their lawsuit together, they found out that Taylor Swift, who was pretty close to uh, making a sponsorship deal with FTX that would have been worth about $100 million, they, according to this lawyer, Adam Moskowitz, uh, Taylor Swift was one of the only celebrities who was in talks with FTX who actually did the due diligence to ask if the company could prove to her that she wouldn't be promoting the sale of unregistered securities. And now this has become, you know, a huge conversation in the crypto kind of policy and legal world. And this is why so many other celebrities who did go through with their FTX deals are now getting in trouble. So according to this lawyer, Taylor Swift asked about it. Um, we don't know if that is what actually made the deal not go through. Um, all we know is that it didn't go through. It's not clear, you know, whether that securities question did get her to not agree with it or if FTX walked away from the deal. It never materialized. But uh, now, you know, Taylor Swift is down as this person who was kind of asking the question that it seems like other celebrities probably wish they had asked uh, now that they're getting sued. So what what is Tom Brady 
you know, from, from looking at these lawsuits, what is Tom Brady on the hook potentially for damage-wise? Um, it's a great question. And what the lawyer, the class action lawyer has said to us is that, you know, every celebrity being sued in this lawsuit could be kind of on the hook for every cent that they're trying to get. And so that's kind of an open-ended answer. And I think, you know, that's the only way I can answer it at this point, because the lawsuit has kind of just gotten started in court. You know, they just served the last person they needed to last weekend. Um, but, you know, depending on how many people join the class action, what it ends up, you know, the number that the, the court proceedings sort of agree on, it could be millions of dollars as long as it goes through. And there's no, you know, guarantee that uh, the celebrities will be on the hook for paying anything, but they certainly could be. And they'll be deposed possibly, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting thing and it seems like there will be, you know, some information in these court documents that kind of celebrities wish was not. I think that, you know, for people like Shaq and Tom Brady, they probably wish this whole thing would just go away. Uh, after FTX filed for bankruptcy last year, around December, Shaq uh, gave an interview kind of saying that he's staying away from cryptocurrency. He was just a paid spokesperson for a commercial um, and kind of washed his hands of it. Tom Brady, on the other hand, has still kind of remained active in the digital asset space. He's got his own um, NFT company autograph um, that actually the FTX, former FTX CEO, I think was involved in, but he's I think he was on the board of directors, anymore. right? Originally yeah, on, right. on the board of directors you wrote, yeah. Yep. Sam Bankman, so, free, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I mean, and this is something that's going to play out over probably months, but... Uh, you know, the class action suit is seeking, I think it's a billion dollars. So that's a lot of money. So, um, so just for people, just for context, I mean, this, this, this was, this was the biggest story in the world when it happened, but just for a refresher on what exactly happened with Sam Bakeman, Fried and FTX, um, in sort of broad strokes. Sure. So FTX was a major crypto exchange, uh, that did, you know, business in the U S and elsewhere under different kind of companies. Um, it was worth $32 billion at its peak. That was its valuation. And it was run, you know, by a, a group of relatively young, uh, you know, startup founders uh, at the helm of Sam Bakeman Freed. And in the fall of last year, uh, its balance sheet was revealed um, in a news report kind of showing that uh, the assets that they said they had didn't look too, too stable. And so people started to there was a run on the native utility token FTT that FTX uses and had a lot of its value in. And so just in a matter of days, when people started pulling their money out of the exchange, they ended up having to file for bankruptcy. And then in the you know days and weeks after they filed for bankruptcy, a new team took over. The new CEO of FTX is actually the same person who took over Enron after that company filed for bankruptcy. So you've got some real veterans going Enron. through. Wow. Right. And they they were going through the, you know, documents and stuff and saying there was kind of no no rules, no corporate governance, no uh There's no, no documentation, People were right? approving expenses with emojis at a company that was worth thirty two billion dollars. And so uh Sam Bagman Fried, the former CEO, has been charged with a number of crimes, including bank fraud, um, wire fraud, uh and even uh defrauding the Federal Election Commission for making, you know, allegedly illegal campaign donations. Uh, he's pleaded not guilty to all of those crimes, and he'll be in court in October. Um, so this is somebody that was on the cover of Forbes and Fortune and kind of 
uh, propped up as uh, kind of the next big tech hero. And now he's awaiting a criminal trial. And you've got 9 million people who are locked out of their accounts at this exchange. Just a really kind of incredible uh, tech story um, and has left a lot of people uh, with their wallets hurting. So, Stephanie, um, what does it say about the uh, industry more broadly beyond FTX? I mean, so I'm a big Lakers fan, and I've seen recently there was the Staples Center for 20 years, but then it was bought out by Crypto.com. It's now the Crypto.com Arena. I'm annoyed by that name. It's incredibly an incredibly ugly name. But um, it, it's is is the FTX is FTX representative of sort of like a downtrend in the entire industry or is, uh, you know, our other uh, or other, uh, you know, similar uh, websites or, or forums or exchanges um, doing a lot better than, than FTX was? Well, I think that every company is different, but I think what it does underscore is that, you know, if you are sort of doing business with crypto companies or places that aren't really regulated in the way that a traditional financial firm is, you know, there are more risks. And that's what I've heard talking to lawyers who, you know, are dealing with the FTX bankruptcy and other, you know, big crypto bankruptcies. And what FTX's collapse did do is send, you know, major shockwaves through the crypto markets and the crypto industry because a lot of firms had money tied up in FTX or, you know, were reliant on them in some way. Um, and, you know, they were just one of many companies that came on the scene over the last couple of years, you know, putting their name on arenas and, and doing this flashy advertising. So I don't think that it's indicative of the entire crypto industry, you know, in any way. But it is, you know, uh, it shows you kind of what can happen when you are dealing with, uh, you know, a new a newer industry that isn't as regulated as, you know, kind of the traditional financial industry. And that's something that people in Congress and in the regulatory agencies in Washington, D.C. are talking about and thinking about, you know, consumer protection, uh, how to do that without stifling innovation or pushing companies offshore. That's a huge debate that's going on in Washington right now. Um, but, you know, they're still absolutely writing the rules for this very young industry. So you uh, were. I saw you um, tweet out the other day. Uh, there is a. Um, there was a, a guy. His name is. Uh, I think his, his like whatever crypto name is Bitboy, and uh, he has was supposed to report. Uh, he was supposed to report to to court for the FTX um, lawsuit, but was instead in Bermuda or the Bahamas. Can you talk a little bit about that? One of the most interesting things I've found from covering cryptocurrency for the past year or so is just how many kind of interesting characters and kind of larger than life stories there are going around, you know, in an industry that's so digital and so online. There are just like these sort of larger than life people. And so Bitboy uh, Crypto, his, his uh, name is Ben Armstrong, and he runs this uh, pretty popular crypto YouTube channel. I think he has around 1.4 or 5 million subscribers. And he's he's a crypto influencer. And so he's been targeted in a separate FTX class action lawsuit filed by that same lawyer, Adam Moskowitz, who's been trying to serve Shaq. He filed another class action lawsuit, which was, I think, targeted around between eight and 10 influencers who he claims promoted FTX. That includes Ben Armstrong, who goes by BitBoy. It also includes Kevin Pafras, who was uh He's a, another YouTube influencer. He also ran for governor of California a couple of years ago. So another kind of interesting character. But what happened with this uh, Ben Armstrong or BitBoy is that he has been uh, really targeting the class action lawyer, suing him with 
uh, emails and social media posts using kind of uh, profane words that I won't say on your radio show. But the lawyer became so concerned by, you know, uh, these messages. He claims that he had received a bunch of phone calls to his office uh, threatening the the safety of his family and his law firm. Um, And he was so worried that he actually got the FBI involved along with local law enforcement. And so they got, uh, you know, they went to the judge who's handling the case in Miami and they said, you know, we need to, to do something about this. And so the judge ordered Armstrong to come into court in person and explain why he is harassing the guy suing him. And instead of showing up in court, uh, Armstrong went on a cruise uh, to the Bahamas, a BitBoy branded cruise that's sort of part of his business. And he was posting uh, photos shirtless on the beach saying he doesn't care. And he, he knows he's supposed to be in court and he's not going to go. Um, and so what happened in the in the courtroom, his lawyer went and the judge ordered him to stop tweeting threats at the guy suing him. And he has to go back to court on Monday in Miami and explain why the judge shouldn't hold him in contempt of court, which could, you know, get him in some serious trouble. So, you know, only in crypto would people be posting shirtless beach photos and just skipping skipping their very uh, kind of consequential court date. But that's exactly what he did. We're, we're speaking with uh, Stephanie Murray. Stephanie, um, you, you seem to be having a lot of fun covering this industry. Um, what have you learned about it that you didn't know when you stepped into it? I don't think you were involved in crypto until you started, I don't, until you started covering it. What have you learned about it? Because you seem to be having a lot of fun with it. That is a really great question. I think I've just learned that there are sort of a lot of interesting and creative ways to think about money and uh, finance. I mean, when I started covering crypto, I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, And it's just been really interesting to learn, you know, things beyond just kind of the big the big things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but learning, you know, a little bit more about what's going on in like decentralized finance projects. And even though everything is so high tech and kind of sort of hard to understand on the technical level like there are just always like these really interesting people doing all the work to, to put the things together um so i think that yeah just learning more about them and the stuff that they're doing and even in these decentralized finance projects that are supposed to be kind of without human uh you know dependent on humans there are a lot of humans putting them together sometimes fighting and it's just interesting to see such a new industry kind of be budding really compared to you know other industries that we cover that have been around for hundreds of years i I find the crypto space to be really interesting uh fa hayek was writing he's long since dead but was writing about getting money away from government control things of this nature and now it's starting to come to reality yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that, you know, we're going to be watching over the next few years what government does to try and kind of control this industry in the United States. And we're still so early in it that the Securities and Exchange Commission is, you know, still kind of fighting with the CFTC over which crypto tokens and are going to be considered commodities or securities. You know, the conversation right now is that Bitcoin is probably considered a commodity, but, you know, most others might be considered securities. That is far from settled and a very huge heated debate. Um, but, you know, it's something that even the White House is taking seriously. They put out this big series of reports last fall, kind of looking at the digital asset sector, 
thinking about, you know, which rules do we already have that can apply to crypto and which places do new rules really need to be made. And so that's all, you know, very much up for debate, very much a work in progress. And I think that, you know, there's legislation, one of my colleagues reported this week, that there's a bill, you know, on Capitol Hill that could actually conceivably pass that deals with crypto, something they've been trying to do for a few years, but hasn't actually materialized. So it's an exciting time to kind of see what's going to happen and see this industry, you know, mature. So, so we're speaking with Stephanie Murray. She is a reporter at theblock.co. Um, so, Stephanie, you actually wrote an article, I believe it was this afternoon, um, on uh, Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen, who is has respond, uh, who is working with uh, our Senator Elizabeth Warren to respond to the Silicon Valley um, uh, bank um, failure. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's interesting. So the Treasury Department, uh, Janet Yellen chairs this uh, Financial Stability Oversight Council that was created as part of Dodd-Frank. And what they're trying to do is kind of put forth some new sort of tighter rules for identifying financial risk and assessing it and responding to it, and also making it a little bit easier for regulators to oversee non-bank entities. And that happened uh, you know, they're kind of pinning the desire for these new rules on the Silicon Valley bank collapse. And there were actually, uh, you know, this was something that also touched the crypto industry because Circle, um, a company that issues the USDC stablecoin. So it's a, you know, a form of, it's a stablecoin that's pegged to the US dollar. Um, and what you have is like a, a cash reserve to back it. So they had a portion of their reserves in Silicon Valley bank around $3.3 billion. And the whole point of the stable coin pegged to money is that it's, it's not supposed to kind of depeg and lose value. Um, and when Silicon Valley Bank was getting seized by regulators last month, it did, you know, uh, wobble and sort of depeg briefly. It recovered, but uh, it was a really interesting kind of case of uh, a major bank uh, in the U.S. and crypto kind of interacting at the same time. Um, and a few days later, regulators in New York closed Signature Bank, uh, which was another, you know, kind of crypto-friendly bank. And Congressman Barney Frank, uh, former, you know, Massachusetts representative, sits on the board of that bank. Mm -hmm. And he kind of came out in the days after it was shut down and said that uh, he believed that regulators closed the bank because of its ties to crypto. Um, the New York regulators have come out in the days after that, or weeks after that, I should say, to, you know, kind of deny that narrative and say that that is not what happened. Uh, but that's what Barney Frank says. Um, so there are, you know, also all these Massachusetts connections. Elizabeth Warren, very supportive of those new rules that Janet Yellen and the Financial Oversight Council are voting in. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely a time where, you know, there is financial risk that people are looking at. That was a, you know, a major bank failure, but uh, it didn't stretch much beyond uh, those two banks, which was interesting to watch. And for a time, it seemed like it might uh, you know, kind of have larger reverberations, but it, it didn't. Stephanie, there's always a Massachusetts connection. There always exactly. is, Matt, right? You've written about that. <laughs> so, Stephanie, where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and what, what, what your company's doing and crypto, in specifically what you guys are doing? So you can find um, all of my stories on theblock.co. We also have a great uh, research arm of the block that does a lot of really interesting crypto research. And then you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is Stephanie underscore M-U-R-R. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. This is a really interesting conversation. We're looking forward to having more in the future. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Steph. Have a great weekend.
Stephanie Murray, former political reporter, now writes for uh, reports on crypto policy for the block. And that that is going to be when those trials get going, if they get going. Yeah. Larry David, Tom Brady. Oh, I should have had the. I should have had to curb your enthusiasm. Music queued right, up, right? With the, oh man! Um, all of these people will have will have a front. We might get row more seat. seasons of curb because maybe he'll need to pay the legal bills. <laughs> he will. He will. He will. Right? Will. Will. Uh, there's the upside. If you if you see Tom Brady back in football, you'll know why. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll get Stephanie back as those trials start to unfold. Absolutely. So. Um, uh, until then, we're taking your calls for the rest of the evening, which means the rest of the week, because... Uh, That's... Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This <laughs> is it. <laughs> 508 we'll be <laughs> Right. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell. And I'm Chris McCarthy. And let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hello. Hey, hey, you're on the air. Good evening, gentlemen. How you doing, my How's friend? Well, I'm doing cryptocurrency doesn't kind of uh, excite me at all. Uh, I'm too old to be worried about that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that's going to be for the future, if at all. But If at all, yes. So, again, I was watching uh, in the lieu of that, uh, talking politics, okay? And they were talking about the candidacy of RFK uh, Jr., mm-hmm. right? And they had some people on, and they were saying that at his... Uh, announcement which rambled kind of for two hours they said right. uh that he uh, uh has they said well if he wasn't a kennedy no one would have been interested so to speak okay I think that's but, true but still they you know they were there talking about him and everything and i guess one of the things against him is that he's one of these anti-vaxxer people and uh believed uh, information that uh, wasn't very credible all right and that was one of the things that they brought out. Something too about autism too that he he was medically wrong on. Uh, but they mentioned uh, also that uh, he is against uh, corporate strength in how it damages democracy. Okay? Yes. And uh, that might be something that people today, uh, you know, might be concerned with. Roger Stone suggested to Trump, according to them, that. Uh, uh, that he he be considered maybe as a vice presidential presidential candidate with Trump said at his uh, announcement there weren't many Democrats but there were a number of Republicans that there were there. and a lot of people from outside of Massachusetts not inside of Massachusetts there were a lot of people from Florida New York yep. California which is where Kennedy lives and yep. and Connecticut and I noticed Connecticut people were were in the crowd um, you said Kennedy lives in California now yes that's where okay. he lives all right. Well, again, and he did—he didn't do anything to uh, distance himself from his uh, uncle's name or his father's name. That's no, no, I, I don't think he can. I mean, uh, no, nor should he. You know, <clears throat> what else is his rationale for his candidacy except that my dad and my uncle, you know, well, served this country and died for it? That's a—that's a mistake. I think Joe Point Three Point made. I think big he, time. Yeah, I think he should have linked himself with his with his family and their. Uh, participation in politics. I have to give him credit, though, too, because, you know, let's face it, the two men he referred to were assassinated. Yes. And to me, and I wouldn't want to see that happen to anybody, and especially another Kennedy. Uh, so when a Kennedy puts their name out there, I'm sure they've got that in the back of their mind of what happened to, uh, you know, two people who wanted to, as we look back at it, possibly change the direction America was going in, you know, that sort of thing. I'd feel a lot better about him if he had run for office before this too so i i think because of it, he's kind of a you know uh sort of uh 
wildcard candidate in a sense. But the fact that he is a Kennedy, mm-hmm. and now he's out in California, and he's got name recognition, of course, in Massachusetts. Uh, uh, Joe, old Joe, running again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he might be able to run. What is he going to do? Run a basement campaign? Uh, I think no COVID he, now. You know? I think he. I think that's just what he's planning on doing. Um, I do think that we'll see how Bobby does in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to say you're running for president. It's a whole other thing to, to get on the ballots, to raise the money, to mm-hmm. put the team together. I'm not sure that Bobby Kennedy even knows how to do that. Well, the other uh, you know, paleo- the other paleologus, the guy that runs the... Uh, David. David. Yeah, yeah. The, he runs the... The uh, polling. Polling, yeah. yeah. He said that uh, polled... Uh, all of the former Biden people that voted for Biden that he polled, 76% were still for Biden, mm-hmm. okay? 14% were for uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the the lady that's running was about, I don't know... Uh, Marianne Williamson? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Marianne Williamson, about 4%. Yeah. So again, with nothing but a name and... Uh, you know, scanty, uh, you know, credentials and stuff like that as far as being politically active. Uh, again, I don't know if uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. would appeal to the AOC group or uh, something no. like that. No, not at all? Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> but Marcus hard, is a representative no, of them. Hard no. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Yeah, you guys are educating me, that's fine. Uh, but the other thing, though, too, is you you got to remember one thing with old Joe. Um uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt ran for a fourth term, and then he was down in Warm Spring, Georgia, yeah, having his uh, picture uh, painted. And, he, and all of a sudden, he said, "I have a terrible headache." He, he had polio, though. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, no, I don't think the polio killed him. What killed him was he had a cerebral hemorrhage. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's why he said, "I had a terrible headache." Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll consequently, uh, you know, does if Joe does get elected, will he? be able to finish another four years. I know at my age, like I've said to you guys before, I feel myself uh, slipping in some areas. I don't think I'm slipping as bad as old Joe, though, you know? and uh, Less stressful job than old Joe. Well, right? yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> right. Hey, listen, we got to take, uh, take some other calls. we got to break right, the head. So we Thanks appreciate for the call. It. Thank you. Well, thank you, my man. your perspective and straighten me out of this stuff. All right. Have a nice weekend. Have a good one. So we've got a few app chat messages, just people responding to the Stephanie Murray um, interview. Uh, someone saying... Um, is Tom Brady going to go to jail? <laughs> Probably not. No, unless uh, dead or People prison. asking about the website, it's theblock.co. Yes. Theblock.co. Uh, there's another one, remembered Stephanie, when she was on with you. Uh, you know, there's, when she was the Massachusetts political reporter, says she sounds great. Uh, another buddy, uh, another another person message us, said she is great. Um, so that was a good interview uh, so far. Yeah, she's fun. She's enthusiastic, she, right? She is. She is a lot of fun. Uh, someone else message said, uh, "Hard time for people in the space." I never got that. The space. That's what they call like crypto, like yeah. the area. It's the, the space. It's. I don't know if it is space. a hard time or not. It depends when you got in. Really, it's like all. It's like all financial assets. Uh, when you got in is, is whether you're having a hard time or not. Yeah. If well, you got in when it first years ago, you're probably fine. Yeah. If you've already gone back and forth and in and out. You might be fine. It just it really depends on the day. Listen, we see you call on the line. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WBSM, New Bedford's News Talk Station. Get breaking news alerts. Stream audio. 
Send us text messages and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. Welcome back. We got some calls on the line, Chris. All right, let's go. Good evening. Welcome. Hi, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to make this as uh Thank you for the flowers quick as possible. And I Thank know you it's for the an intricate subject. Oh, <laughs> um, so I wondered why, you know, when I saw this whole FTX thing going down, yeah. his face was splashed all around. There are so many countless different brands of crypto. Yes. But all of a sudden, before this all came to light, this guy who was building a house of cards, his face was splashed everywhere. He was aligned with other faces that you've seen, you know? He had a huge PR operation. Oh, big time. Bill Clinton, so what everybody. what I feel is, though, was happening, what I still believe was going on, maybe some of the players that got involved with him didn't know. But he was building a house of cards. He was a loose cannon. And I feel as though the government, you know, the legislators, a lot of them have no clue what's going on with crypto. Totally. And, and what it's all about. But I think they want to have in on it. They've got to get the filthy little grubby paws in there and toss on some regulation because the whole the whole idea why crypto came about is people don't want government's hands all over. They're like, we want a place where we can have transactions that the government doesn't have anything to do with. So when my son years and years ago trying to get me to invest, of course it's it's new. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, but how do you know some It's decentralized was all he was saying and trying to explain (laughs) all the rest. I don't understand. But I said, all the money could just go disappearing someday and you have nowhere to go to get it. I I don't feel comfortable until I know more investing. But I think the government's plan was take this crazy dude and now say, see what can happen to all your money? We need to get regulated and get people on board with government regulating it. I think that was the whole plan with this So I will tell you, I I don't think you're wrong about that. And a lot of other experts agree with you that basically um, the need for regulation, because until something is regulated, it doesn't have legitimacy. Okay, it's just being ignored. Well, in in the eyes of a lot, there's no market without a government regulation. It's basically what what, what a lot of people are saying. Um, Serious financial people are saying there is no market without government regulation. That's the only way they've seen it. That's what I'm saying. This was a new, out-of-the-box, government's hands-off right. approach to people maintaining more, you know, anonymity with their own money. Yeah. And because the government just can't see past themselves, pretty much in anything, they want their hands on it. So that's why I feel as though the whole thing happened the way it was. Because this is worldwide. So you, you think know, there was so too much... Wait, wait, hold on. Do you think the government had too much involvement in this and that's why that this the happened? The government wants everybody who's willing to invest in crypto worldwide to think wrongly, I would think, to, that you can't do this without their hands involved. You now, need the regulation. They, yeah, that's I, what they I, want you to right. think. Well, I so think that's, that's what I feel the whole kid was set up for. Well, you know, he was playing wild and loose with people's money, obviously, mm-hmm. the way, you know, he was managing everything or, or lack of management. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is the government, not knowing all the all the intricacies of this system, 
had to figure out how to get their hands into it. That's what well, I. Well, well, I think that the whole the the whole the the whole problem was the system was decidedly in it in in in, in, in intricate, right? It was not intricate because. Well, you know, she was talking about how deals were done, you know, basically signed with emojis and everything was sort of uh, slap no, shot. No, that's him That's his deals, though. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying his brand was, was a, a joke. It really they, is. But they, but they were the, they, they were the, but, they were the biggest name in crypto. They, they. And why is that? That's he, what I'm saying. Yeah. He, you know what I'm saying? But the, there are the a lot about of cryptos crypto. who have much more stability well, and he's without government uh, oversight or, um you know, regulations, but they want to make an example of this guy and to see why we, of course, as usual, we need them. So, so I, well, I'm, we, we do, I mean, we do, because look what happened. With, with, with the, with the, no, it's like when we repealed Glass-Steagall, look what happened. With, with the, 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 the issue with. Look what happens with banks. Look what happens with a lot of things. Exactly. No, exactly. One That's of the, the issues less with government, crypto government, is more, that more libertarian. Yeah, but when we had less government and uh, less financial regulations, that's when the that's when the banks crashed because the, they could do whatever they wanted and they gambled with people's savings. They didn't lose a penny, but they didn't the lose government. a penny by the way that's because the government backstopped. That's them. the government. Yeah. I'm talking about completely deregulating persons in for themselves. It's a totally new concept. And it is a good concept. Hey, you want to the move to hard money. We've, what you want to move I, I to, think gold we, and silver, hard you know, money. I think, we, yeah, I think we've tried that concept that you're talking about, and I think it's failed pretty thoroughly. But, hey, listen, we appreciate the call. No, we government got some, has to keep their hands off. I, I, they need oh, to they did. I mean, they did for 20 years, and look where we are. No, so, they didn't at all for 30 years. Yes, they did. What was the whole Reagan revolution you about? You can't be serious. You think they kept their hands off money? They never kept yes, their hands, they never off, kept their hands off money. What has the government no. done to your money, Ron Paul? There's a million pieces of scholarship out there. The, the, they, the, the government has backstopped the banks. Well, that's, what's, that's the whole problem is the government is basically working at the behest of the financial institutions. They backstopped well, everything. You're right. It's the opposite good, of leaving good, their hands off. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's going on? I know you're getting close to the end. I hope you'll talk me off the ledge tonight. All right, what's going on? I, I, I'm kind of amazed we're talking crypto with everything going on in Bristol County, but I get it. I, I understand. I mean, we had the sheriff said. on for like an hour, right? Yeah. Oh, correct, correct. And, that's, and we had booked Stephanie point. earlier, so in the week, so we didn't no, know no, the inmates were going to riot. I totally get it. But please tell me if I'm wrong. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. I heard when you originally were talking to the sheriff, he mentioned it was like a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in damages to the jail. Mm -hmm. That was okay, an initial cursory, I think, eyeball on the thing. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. I get it. It's an estimate, right? We, three years after the May twenty twenty riots, which the new sheriff said was a protest, I saw estimates of twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, the, okay. the, uh, have you have you been to the have you been to the house correction? Never. You haven't seen the ice building, right? So no, it's, I it's, a, it's, I a, a, it's a substantially smaller and less, um, I think, sophisticated building than the the than the than the uh, holding cells inside the secure perimeter. So there's a lot less opportunity to make make that level of damage. I think. Right. right. I'm not trying to bust his chops, but I'm just saying, the sheriff. You, just in the last ten days, you had him on, and he said. That he felt that what happened in May 2020 was a protest and not a riot. He said it didn't correct? rise to the level of riot. Yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, what I find most upsetting in this country today, in the United States of America, is that 
We're spitting on police. We're spitting on law enforcement. But we're celebrating gangbangers. And that, that's what I find most upsetting. Have a nice weekend, guys. You too. Thank you. I, 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 I would just really say think that, that makes any I sense. think we're going to have to wait till we get an after-action review on the costs. Um, I would say that... I don't that, know what celebrating gangbangers means either. That Haru, Sheriff Haru, um, should be given a little bit of a wide berth here. The man just went through about 10 hours of, of turmoil. And so whatever he came up with, with a financial estimate, I'm not going to hold him, hold him to it. You know, yeah. 100 grand, a million bucks, who knows, right? And they won't know until they get the plumbers in there. Got really. another app chat messenger, uh, Steve from New Bedford, asking um, the website again. So it's theblock.cl for, for Stephanie Murray's work. I thought it was pretty interesting too. Yeah. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, we got some more uh, app chatters. I think we can take a break and we'll read them. We'll be right back. Good evening. Welcome back. We've got a Twitter user saying, uh, nice conversation with Stephanie Murray. Um, uh, haven't used the AM dial in a while. <laughs> so I appreciate you using the AM dial to tune in. You can use the FM dial, too, at 99.5 uh, FM. And if you missed the sheriff's uh, interview, uh, you can go to the, the podcast, download it. Uh, it's all free. Yeah. And, uh, and hear it. That's it. 